0: Are entering the Freedom Hut.
1: President Trump makes Democrats an offer to reopen the government when it comes to immigration, an offer that they can't refuse, but they will refuse it because they're extremists. Also, the BuzzFeed bombshell from Friday turns out to be a dud. They aren't learning any lessons in the fake news media, and that even includes a bunch of high school kids who were the target of left-wing rage over the weekend when they didn't do anything wrong. That and more coming up on The Buck Sexton Show.
0: This, this is The Buck Sexton, Sexton Show, Show. Where the mission, mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Russia. One small standing. Make no mistake. America.
2: Ready to a great American again.
0: The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton.
1: It is Buck Sexton. Now...
2: In order to build the trust and goodwill necessary to begin real immigration reform, there are two more elements to my plan. Number one is three years of legislative relief for 700,000 DACA recipients brought here unlawfully by their parents at a young age many years ago. This extension will give them access to work permits, social security numbers, and protection from deportation, most importantly. Secondly, our proposal provides a three-year extension of temporary protected status, or TPS. This means that 300,000 immigrants whose protected status is facing expiration will now have three more years of certainty so that Congress can work on a larger immigration deal, which everybody wants, Republicans and Democrats.
1: Welcome to the Buck Saxton Show, everybody. I know it is a Martin Luther King Day. Hope many of you were able to have a holiday today. Hope you're able to uh, enjoy a little bit of time away from the office if you were able to get it. Uh, there you had the president laying out, you know, th- this weekend was A a lot of big news happening over the weekend. And we're going to cover it all today on the show. Uh, You had Trump laying out here what is is now part of his offer to the Democrats, which is an entirely reasonable offer. Okay, there's there's nothing about that. He talked about emergency funding for uh, for more more beds and more Border Patrol down there to deal with the influx of, of immigrants. Talks about, obviously, funding for the for the wall or the barrier. You know, we're going to stop playing this game of, oh, you said a wall, not a barrier. It doesn't matter, okay? Physical barriers to prevent illegal entry. And then also an extension for individuals covered under the DACA program. I mean, this is how you come up with a compromise. This is how you come up with some kind of a deal. And... You know, that happened over the weekend. The BuzzFeed story just completely imploded on itself, which I, this hour we'll get to that. The story that was going to end Trump's presidency. I mean, Buzzfeed, BuzzFeed thought that they were having their Nixon Watergate moment. And it turned out they were having their, oh, look at the cat video. Isn't that amazing moment? Because that's what BuzzFeed's good for. Uh, and and it did not work out for them. And then I'm going to spend a lot of time in the next hour of the show on this Covington High School uh, debacle where these high school students were just just piled on by so many of these blue check, you know, Twitter journalist jerks who don't care what kind of destruction they do to people's lives, you know, what, you know, I, I just, I'll tell you, I remember when I was the blaze, there's somebody who reached out and said that it was a and, and I, I had written a story and it was a family member of of someone who we wrote a story about that it was it was newsworthy and it was true, but the family ever reached out and said that you know that, that this individual had gotten his life together and was trying to move away from this and this is really gonna and I you know it always stuck with me. I mean that was the first time I had that that kind of moment of being in. It was very early in my career. I'd been doing this. I've been in the job for months, and it was it was definitely a news story and it was true, but it was going to make someone's, you know, someone's path a little harder. And and as someone who tries to make the paths of those around him on a daily basis as much as I can easier and better, um, it I realized that there's a trade-off and that there is a a real responsibility for those who have a following, who have a platform, have an audience, not to be a part of these, digital lynch mobs that go after people not to be a part of these efforts to destroy people uh, because of an incident that maybe was uh, misreported or maybe there's a lack of context or you know maybe someone just made a mistake and doesn't need the entire world to come down on them for something i mean in some of these social media mob situations there was really no harm done other than somebody offended the pc gods you know somebody offended The social justice left, but that's coming up in the next hour. Um, We will get into some detail on that because I I still am most focused on the the premier policy struggle right now in this country, which is the fight for a uh, barrier on our southern border so that we can finally establish definitive, positive control of our southern border. And Trump is not just keeping this promise to his base. Trump also, I think, realizes that this is a game changer for the rest of the immigration debate. See, the the part of this that doesn't get nearly enough attention is that if you don't have control of the border and you go, let's say we did what the, the establishment media and the Democrats and a lot of Republicans wanted to do years ago, Gang of Eight Bill back then, you know, Marco Rubio running around with that thing. If we gave a mass amnesty, you would have a yes, a a a essentially uh, a huge coup. I mean, a big a big uh, giveaway of benefits to people who broke our laws. Uh, But beyond that, unless you had established real control of the southern border, it just invites the next wave of illegal. Aliens do come into the country and break our laws with the expectation that the political winds will have shifted even further in their favor and that will be the American people will be so sick and so fed up with this thing that we're not even going to pretend like we're going to have deportations of any scale. We're not even going to pretend that we're going to secure the border and and that'll be the end of it. You know, we have been on a straight trajectory since the 80s of just illegals flooding into the country one after the other and then we had a mass amnesty under Reagan Reagan knew he knew that he was swindled in that amnesty because the enforcement mechanisms none of that stuff happened and they were still hearing amnesty cases people saying that they should have been covered under that amnesty which was in 1980. I think, but I could be wrong on that. Producer Mike, let me know. Um, The mass amnesty continued in the courts until 2011. There are people in 2011 who are saying, I was covered under the Reagan amnesty. I'm not making that up. So, you know, you know how this is going to go, folks. If we don't have control of the southern border, there will be one amnesty followed by another amnesty followed by another. And that will have, yes, a profound Uh, that will cause a profound change in at least the rule of law nature of this country. I mean, you know, it's a really eye-opening thing to stand at the uh, Tijuana-San Diego border and just see how clean and orderly and safe things are north of that fence. And then look at how dilapidated, and dysfunctional and unsafe and and unsanitary much of what you see going on south of that fence is and you wonder well why is this the case it's the same climate it's the same beach why is one side of this fence so different the other and it's there is something about about a, a polity about a political union about culture about rule of law this has real ramifications and we do have a rule of law culture. And Mexico does not have a rule of law culture. 3% of Mexican crimes are solved. You know, I asked one of these Border Patrol 86, thank you, Producer Mike, the Immigration Reform and Control Act, that was the Reagan amnesty, 1986. I was off by a year. Darn it, Buck. Code read yourself. And I was told a really, I thought very interesting anecdote. Because, you know, the, the border situation. Yes, I've really got gotten uh, a degree of fluency in the numbers and the policies and the laws. But you also hear these anecdotes. And one of the Border Patrol guys told me that he had a, a friend who was who's now uh, a legal immigrant to America, but was born and raised in uh, in North Baja, which is essentially the, the sector that is uh, where you find uh, Tijuana, and he said that this is this is what this is what uh, the civil society and rule of law is like in Mexico this this friend of a border patrol agent that he told me about he said that he when he was a boy uh, his parents got him a dog and it was a mutt and the dog was so much of a so, brought so much joy to the family and the dog was playing in the yard and he loved that dog and he was heartbroken when one day as a maybe a 12-year-old boy, he came home, and the dog was gone. And he's in, I think it was actually in Tijuana, but, you know, he's in, he's in North Bay, and, you know, his dog is gone, and he's just heartbroken. And he goes out looking, and he's asking neighbors, you know, saying, you know, have any of you seen my dog? Have any of you seen my dog? Nobody's seen the dog. And then the maybe a week or two passes, and he's walking past, a few houses down, maybe three or four houses down, he's walking past another neighbor's house. And sure enough, he sees it. There's, there's his dog. And there's a little fence, because, you know, fences don't work, right? There's a little fence around the house. And he goes up this little fence and he says, you know, thank you so much. You found, you found my dog. I'm so happy now. And the neighbor just looked at him, young boy, and he, I think he was with his dad at the time, looked at them and said, this isn't your dog. This is my dog. And in that moment, the boy knew there was no one to go to. The police wouldn't take the call. The police wouldn't care about this. There was no court that they could sue in. There was no one to go to. Now now you could say, Buck, come on. That's just one that's just one little story. And I mean I can tell you this. In this country. As somebody who grew up with a dog or a family that loves a dog, uh, you steal my dog that's not the end of it. You know there would be there would be uh, legal ramifications there would and, and I would at least feel that there's somewhere to go to make my case. in Mexico, nope, it's my dog now. I was told by the. US ambassador to Mexico that the, the crime solving rate is about three percent or the, sorry, the crime prosecution rate is about three percent. That's not a rule of law society. Now, you can say, Buck, but we are a rule of law society. But yeah, but only because we enforce the law. Only because we perpetuate what we have here, where we are a country of laws, not a country of men determining who gets what and and when they get it, right? We actually have laws in place that everyone is supposed to be and generally is held accountable to at least on the big things. Really, this comes down to, do we have a country and a culture to protect? Is the rule of law something that we respect or not? If we are going to leave our southern border open, if we're going to allow for wave after wave of amnesty, the answer to that question is no. It's that we have now become a country like so many others where corruption and lying and law-breaking Are richly rewarded by those who are willing to engage in that practice and i saw that in action at the border i saw people that i had been told on the record were lying to federal agents that's a that's a crime folks just as much a crime to lie to border patrol about the threat you say you're under or about your age or your family status as it is to lie to the special counsel if you're george papadopoulos meanwhile the libs all want papadopoulos to serve some big sentence for his terrible lie But all these people struggling at the border, one after another, lie after lie, breaking the law with their entry, breaking the law with their lies, they're not supposed to be punished. This is law-breaking on a massive scale. Trump knows this and knows that unless we have the enforcement mechanisms in place, it doesn't even matter how much we argue about the political will to enforce the law. If we're incapable of enforcing the law at our border, we've already lost. And so he has made an offer to the other side that you can tell was crafted by experts, people who actually know what's going on at the border and want to solve the problem. And what do the Democrats do? What is their response to all of this? No. No. We get it our way or the highway, that's it. This is extremism. They're unwilling to negotiate. They're unwilling to be reasoned with. They are by definition being unreasonable. And that gets us to where the Democrat Party has come now. They are a party of immigration extremism, illegal immigration advocacy, massive erosion in our rule of law and advocates for law breaking on a systematic decades long scale up oh, I've got to go into a break darn it I'm John I'm just getting fired up I missed them over the weekend I'm just getting going here we'll come right back team stay with me
2: your uncle tomahawk that's right Out your mind got your head up the white mans <laughs> Talk about peace peace ain't gonna be no peace you're gonna be ripped in pieces crackers are go some slippers yeah, you better keep your distance.
0: Okay.
2: I'm turning up, because you know what? You dirty bastards better be ready. You better be ready. But go shoot up a school before you do it. Go shoot up a school before you do it. Think about it. I hope you practice are ready. That's right. Because we know where to go get the food from. That's right. We know where to get the food That's right. Ready. We hope y'all ready. I hope y'all we ready. We hope you ready. That's right. You better be ready. We hope you ready. A bunch of hyenas. Yeah. A bunch of dogs. A bunch of hyenas. All these America, make America great again, crackers.
1: That is audio that the media didn't want you to hear, didn't care to find out about from over the weekend having to do with the Covington High School situation that played out at the Lincoln Memorial. Those were grown men, a group of African-American activists, yelling that stuff and a whole lot more at a bunch of 14- and 15-year-old kids, many of whom were wearing uh, Make America Great Again hats after they were at the March for Life. You heard some of the stuff that was being yelled at them. They were just minding their own business. They were just congregating on a school trip, 15-year-olds, while adults were yelling at them, and you heard that drum in the background, right? Well, that was a an activist from the Indigenous Peoples' March. Oh yes, he was playing his drum, and then those lunatics who were yelling those things encouraged that Native American activist to go walk in to the group of Cummington High School students and get in their faces. But then they edited a video to make it seem to the media like it was the students who were mocking this man. It was all a lie. We, we will get into this in detail in the next hour. I have an editorial up on thehill.com in the opinion section or on Facebook. It's already on Facebook. If you want to see it there where I get into detail about this issue. But we're going to talk about that in the next hour because the media, not content to disgrace itself merely with the BuzzFeed debacle, jumped on this bandwagon too. But ah, yes, the BuzzFeed debacle, the story that was going to bring down Trump, except there's one little problem. It was fake news. We'll talk about that next.
0: If this BuzzFeed News report is true, then we are likely on our way to possible impeachment proceedings.
2: If it were to be true, it means the president told someone to lie under oath, which very simply is a crime and is impeachable. If this story is true, we must begin impeachment proceedings. If you can prove that the president ordered it, that to certainly rise to the level of, uh, rises to the level of impeachable offense.
3: We're gonna know if the president of the United States committed a federal felony, and at that point we are in high crimes and misdemeanor and we are in impeachment territory. Uh,
0: This is suborning perjury. I think there's no question it's an impeachable offense. That is considered an impeachable offense. Absolutely, these are impeachable offenses. Impeachable. Impeachment is a very fine alternative way to deal with this. Democrats will move Toward impeachment, There are an awful lot of similarities between a couple of the articles of impeachment against Nixon.
2: The very same offense for which the House of Representatives moved to impeach Richard Nixon. Yeah,
3: that is the yeah. exact way that oh, Nixon was kicked I know, out of gotta office. Talk about-
4: it's one of the things that drove Richard Nixon out of office.
3: CNN has not corroborated this reporting. CNN
4: has not independently confirmed this
3: reporting. It is important for us to note this morning that neither CNN nor any other major news
0: outlet has so far confirmed BuzzFeed's reporting.
1: That's because it was all a lie as I'm sure you have heard by now. Oh my, what a, what a self-own as the kids say for the media. What a, what a opportunity for them to punch themselves in the face. And that is exactly what they did. This was an embarrassment. The breathless, if it's true, if it's true. Trump will be impeached if it's true. Well, the problem with the if it's true construction here is that it wasn't true. And we know it's not true because the special counsel, that's right, Robert Mueller's special counsel, no friend of the Trump administration, came out and said that the reporting in this BuzzFeed article is, in fact, incorrect. This is not true. This information is not accurate. This stuff came down on Friday night, and it was... I wish it had happened right before our show. Unfortunately, it happened right after the show. But it was glorious. Um, Because this is, yet again, showing us exactly what the media is and what they're all about. The media is on an anti-Trump crusade. They are true believers in anti-Trumpism, and because they are true believers in anti-Trumpism, they fall victim to things like this, where they all will breathlessly hype up a report that could be very damaging to the presidency, and when it's not true, we turn around and say, why is it that there's all these stories, you can go through a list of them, so many different news organizations utterly burned by running false stories about Trump's culpability in one matter, or somebody, some senior, whether it's Donald Trump Jr., or somebody in Trump's inner circle did some terrible thing. Where's the equivalence from the Obama years, eight years of Obama? Did any of these news organizations have to retract a major story that that would have meant Obama was out of office? Did any of them? I saw people were so desperate. Oh, they're so desperate to believe that there's still a media Santa Claus. But there's not. The mainstream media, it's a bunch of clowns, liars, and crooks. I'm sorry. It's true. You know, pe- the people that read this stuff, the people that watch CNN, the people that read the New York Times, they don't want to be told this, but it's true. They are activists posing as journalists. That's just reality. And I know that libs don't like to hear this. Libs prefer this safe and warm world where the... News sources they go to are just the objective truth, but it's not the way it is. I'm sorry to have to be among many others who will tell them this. But they keep getting it wrong in a way they never did under the Obama administration because they're pushing an agenda. It couldn't be any more obvious. That's why the fact-checking goes out the window. That's why there's no real quality control here. There's no real effort in place to be even-handed or fair-minded. And you've just had these massive blunders. I mean, these huge media blunders. CNN's had to fire people for just running. It was fake news. This is fake news. This is the definition of fake news. And it dominated. Look, I I, you know, I was talking about it on Friday. I mean, I kind of said, look, Kim Strassel, we kim on Kim, what do you think? She goes, Yeah, it's a problem, but like we'll see. We all knew to do the we'll see. You didn't hear me all like, oh my gosh, Trump, he's gonna be impeached. I'm so worried, or whatever, you know. It's like, all right, they're saying this. Let's see if they've got the goods. This is either they do or they don't. Either they do or they don't. Oh, that's right. Anthony Cormier, who's one of these buzzfeed. Um I I love all the the play on word stuff that people are doing, you know, with like Stink feed, crap feed, you know, all, all, all of which are, are fair at this point and, and always have. I mean, BuzzFeed is a lib, is a lib propaganda site that gets young people who don't know anything about politics to come for the cat videos. And then they propagandize them, to uh, propagandize to them with all this super lib, very progressive uh, activist reporting. Right, you know, this is really opinion journalism that won't call itself that, that's what BuzzFeed does. BuzzFeed and Vice, for those of you who care about these things, are the most overhyped media brands of the last 10 years. I mean, both of these are have had to shed fire lots of people in the last year or two. They're not making money, they're not nearly as successful as everybody said they're gonna be, and it's because what they tapped into is this far-left sensibility that there's this huge untapped market out there for even more left wing news and opinion. You know that that's what we really need. NBC, ABC, CBS, MSNBC, CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, LA Times. You know, you go on this whole list, that's not enough. Slate.com, Huffington Post, The Young Turks. All that's not enough. Not not enough places to be told the same stuff in watered down intellectually flimsy fashion. And to straw man conservatism constantly it's like they can't they, there's not enough people already doing that. there must be a need for some more hipster news out there it's just just nonsense but Cormier, sorry, I got a little as you can tell I get a little touchy about that I, I do not like those sites and they've blown through so much of other people's money and they're not even successful business models they don 't feel a need it's just terrible but Cormier uh When I asked about the documents, because remember, I said this is they claim the special counsel had text emails, real documentation of Trump suborning perjury. This is a very straightforward thing. This isn't a he said he said this is do you have the docs or not? Here's how Cormier answered it. Play clip three. You have
3: two law enforcement sources who tell you that they have seen evidence. Have you seen any of that other corroborating evidence?
1: No, i am not saying it personally, but the folks that we've talked to, the two officials that we've spoken to, are uh, fully 100% red in. Red in that? I mean, that's he's just trying to use a little lingo there. Red in means yeah, they have access to this information. So you're saying that your source claims to have seen these docs. You're putting a lot of putting a lot in the basket of the source, and now I just wonder. Okay, so is the special counsel lying? Because they could have just been quiet. Why would the special counsel, which is going to need all the credibility it can muster if they're going to release a damaging report about Trump, why would they come out and get involved in this fight at all? What does the special counsel have to gain? The answer, of course, is, well, apparently nothing, which is why people are taking this as a credible denial that this information even exists. Meanwhile, Jason Leopold, the other journalist whose byline was on this piece, when he was asked about whether he saw the documents or whether his sources have seen the documents this is what he said on friday play four
3: now your your colleague uh, uh, who you wrote the story with says that neither of you when you talk about those documents that you guys haven't actually seen them you haven't seen the documents the texts, the emails etc so how confident are you that they actually exist that this is true
4: i don't think that we've said that we haven't seen them um and we have been we, I'll just say that we've we've seen documents. We've been briefed on documents. We're, we're very confident.
1: I don't think this is what he just said. I don't think we've said that we haven't seen them. We've seen documents. We're very confident. So does that mean you see them or not, bro? I just want to be clear. Is that a is that a yes or a no? This is very straightforward. Have you seen documents that prove the things that you are alleging? And the answer to that should not be, I don't think we have said that we haven't seen them. You know, this is kind of like, uh, what is it, Cliff from Cheers on Jeopardy? What are uh, three guys who have never been in my kitchen? Uh, you know, technically true, but doesn't really get to the doesn't really get to the substance here. John, do you know that reference I'm making there? Okay. Is it, was it Cliff or was it Norm? It was Cliff, right? It was Cliff. All right, I got that right. Good. Yeah, on Jeopardy, exactly. Um, so you know, here we have these two guys. They've got conflicting stories. You know, you'd think that there would be uh, a, a little bit more of a hesitation on the part of a media just rushing, rushing forward with this uh, with this narrative that's obviously very, but very damaging to Trump. But they just can't help themselves. It is it is like an itch that they have to scratch. Anti-Trump stories, anti-Trump reporting gets Libs so excited. They, they can't, you know, it's like they have an addiction to anti-Trumpism, an addiction to hating this president. They can't control themselves. And that's why when the special counsel released its statement, which is really the first time it's ever done anything quite like this, just saying that the reporting is inaccurate, it was like, wow, wow. But well, you know, I think the special counsel did the right thing, and it's not just because I obviously love what they did, but ethically I think it's the right move. You can't have reporters saying that the president is is essentially ironclad guilty of a federal felony, and that's not true. And it's not true. And they're just and they're saying that you, meaning the special counsel, are the ones that have that proof. They couldn't leave that out there because what happens when the special counsel report comes out and there's nothing that that proves any of this. And the special counsel would have known that all along. They're going to let this they're going to let this stand. I mean, we're talking about a presidency here, folks, right? This isn't, you know, chief dog catcher. This matters. No offense to dog catchers. This matters. But if you are thinking that perhaps there was a a degree of humility that came from this experience for the media, if you were thinking for a moment perhaps that they learned if not their lesson in the grand scheme of things, they learned some kind of lesson here. There was some understanding of what kind of a mistake this was. Nope, not really, because it's all for the cause, you see. Their journalistic credibility, whatever one thinks of that, is they're they're perfectly willing to sacrifice that in the pursuit of destroying this president. So we, we, we'll get into their reactions to this in, in just a moment.
2: The BuzzFeed piece and maybe equally as bad, the coverage of the BuzzFeed phony story, it was a total phony story. I appreciate the special counsel coming out with a statement last night. I think it was very appropriate that they did so. I very much appreciate that. I think that the BuzzFeed peace was a disgrace to our country. It was a disgrace to journalism. And I think also that the coverage by the mainstream media was disgraceful.
1: Amen to all that. I mean, President Trump letting him have it as he should, given what what has gone on here. And I don't know how much more clear a a refutation could be than a so-called bombshell report Claiming that the special counsel has information and documents that would bring down this presidency, basically, that's that's what the story was going to bring down the president. He's because if if they have him on on a federal felony in office, he's done, right? And that was what we're all sitting around. But you notice I wasn't panicked on Friday. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. Because it just, it just, I'm sorry. They've they've taken. I've heard too many times that this is the story, and it's never the story, right? I've heard too many times Trump is finished, and he's never finished. You'd think that maybe that the special counsel slapped them down. They would step away from this. You know, if somebody wrote a book about Buck Sexton, well, I guess then I might have a conflict of interest. But I'm just saying, you know, if if somebody wrote a news story about what I had for breakfast this morning and I came out and said, no, actually, this is what I had for breakfast. Like, I I probably know more about that subject unless I have a reason to lie. I have no, no more about that subject than they do. The special counsel knows more about what they have than BuzzFeed does. And yet, Ben Smith, the clownish editor in chief of BuzzFeed, had the following to say: "Play two.
0: The special counsel issued this very vague statement. We are eager to know what he's talking about.
4: Do you stand by the reporting that you guys published, which is a, a you know is a scoop that no one else has or has confirmed?
0: Yes, as as we wrote, we have two federal law enforcement officials, no 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 game plan with those titles, who have told us that. President Trump directed Michael Cohen to lie to Congress about negotiations to build a Trump Tower in Moscow.
1: So he's just saying, no, we're still we're telling the truth. We're telling the special, which which means he's saying these are the people that are all St. Mueller and he's going to save the republic. He's effectively saying the special counsel is lying. That's what he is saying. The special counsel must be lying, which why would that ever happen? Right. What what possible reason? But you know what this is? This reminds me of the MSNBC host, Joy Reid, who said that her homophobic blog posts from 10 years ago were the result of hackers who went back into her old defunct blog and in her voice, writing exactly the way that she writes, wrote homophobic stuff. She really said that. Oh, and the FBI was investigating. I mean, this is idiocy, right? But still has a job at MSNBC because... It gave her the implausible excuse that created enough distance from the heat of the issue that she was able to ride it out. And that, I mean, BuzzFeed should close its doors tomorrow. It's a terrible organization. It's a terrible website, but they're not going to. And so this is, you know, this is their story and they're sticking to it, essentially. Jeffrey Tubin, though, this was great. Play clip one. I have a different
0: view of the implications of all this. My view is... This is a me- the, the the larger message that a lot of people are going to take from this story is that the news media are a bunch of leftist liars who yes. are dying to get the president and they're willing to yes. lie to do it. Well, that, that and, and and I I don't
1: think that's true. <laughs> But, no, but is, that a, is, what is that different? I mean, that's not. That well, I mean, two it, I mean I, I'm focused on the virtually. media side. Preach yeah. talking about the law enforcement yeah. side. But I mean, they're not they're not contradictory. But I just think this is a bad
0: day for us. It reinforces really yes. every bad stereotype about the news media.
1: Yes, it does. But Jeffrey Toobin, do you know why people will take that from this situation? Because it's obviously true, dude. That's why they're going to take the the media is a bunch of leftist liars who are trying to get the president. Obviously. I know the AARP is really well known, right? We all we've all heard of it, but I don't think nearly as many people know the AARP is a progressive lefty organization. They stood against tax cuts for middle class Americans and small business owners. They really like Obamacare and government control your health care. That's why I want you to get all the upside in terms of benefits and discounts, but none of the progressive nonsense. I recommend AMAC for that purpose. Why AMAC? Well, you see, AMAC gets you discounts on car insurance, hotels, roadside assistance, dental plans, even cell service, and many other benefits to make your life easier and save you money. But AMAC is also an organization that that gives over 1.5 million Americans the ability to influence policy for conservative purposes. Stand with AMAC as they fight the good fight. Become a member today. Join right now at amac.us slash buck. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S slash buck. AMAC is better. Better for you. Better for America. It's only a matter of time before the social justice online mob comes for you, my friends. This is a, a, a truism. This is a true statement that I think many of us are more focused on now because of what we saw this past weekend with the Covington High School, Covington Catholic High School from Kentucky, and the incident that occurred with some uh, left-wing identity politics protesters, right? So left-wing protesters, uh, including the people who, some people at least, who were part of the Indigenous Indigenous Peoples March. Uh, and this was unbelievable how this whole thing played out. I mean, I spent a lot of my time this weekend, and I wrote a piece up on com that's gone semi-viral Uh, that I would recommend you that that is you can just go to the Hill.com opinion section. You'll see it right there. I think it was one of the top three performing of any story on the Hill today was this editorial I wrote. So, team, if you haven't read it, it's also on my Facebook page. Please go go check it out. Uh, But, you know, this is what ended. This is what happened. Uh, We were told initially and I saw the video, and I and I remember thinking to myself, because oh, I was on Twitter. I should probably stop being on Twitter on the weekends, but I was on Twitter and I thought to myself, oh, you know, this is not the this is not the full story. It showed this uh, this Native American professional protester an activist named Nathan Phillips, who was very close face to face with a young man 15 years old in a MAGA hat, in a Make America Great Again hat. And the, the way that the, the video, this was, unlike the Planned Parenthood videos, this was edited to remove context. The way that it seemed is you thought maybe, you know, the, the kids around him also, because there was a whole group of Covington, Covington high school students. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the story, but they were kind of yelling a chant too. And it looked like, and it was edited to look like these white MAGA hat wearing high school kids were mocking uh were mocking a a native american for his traditional beliefs and for you know for engaging in his first amendment rights that's what was the initial picture but i remember thinking to myself as i saw this you know i just it is a short clip there's no i just didn't i didn't see it and the left wing media all of the media that's not conservative so there you go. People say, "Well, Buck, what's the left wing media? Uh, everything that's not, you know, conservative sites, Fox News, and conservative talk radio hosts, all the rest of it is left wing." Okay, there, there, there is no centrist media anymore; it doesn't exist. And you know, some are hard left, some are kind of more center left, but they're all left. And and, I, and I, they just went absolutely nuts on these high school kids. I mean, they were they were pushing. All kinds of of horrible stuff out there about how these high school, you know, uh, this guy Reza Aslan, who's just a slimy jerk, uh, who used to be a CNN host, so that you know, CNN gave this guy his own show. He's just a pompous, super clown jerk. Uh, you know, he. Uh, there are other words. Sometimes if you hear me say, "Oh gosh," you know, it sounds like because real buck, salty buck uses other words, but not on radio. Uh you know but that guy he said look at this face this is a face that should have you ever seen a more punchable face about a 15 year old kid CNN was running story after story on how you know th- this is uh you know look at what they did here look at how they've here here's the headline teen in confrontation with native american um you know i mean confrontation with native american what Anna Merlin of of the website Jezebel, which is essentially radical feminists attacking all the rest of humanity, uh, put out a request for the Covington Catholic High School yearbook so she could try to dox these kids. Parents of these kids were receiving death threats. Parents, they weren't even there, they didn't do anything. They're receiving death threats because the media ran with this. Alyssa Milano, actress and imbecile, and I know firsthand, Tweeted out that the red MAGA hat is the new white hood of the uh, Ku Klux Klan. People just were all over these kids. There was a a petition on change.org with tens of thousands of signatures about how they need to fire the principal. That's right, adults that weren't even there should lose their jobs. Students should be expelled, irreparably damaging their academic careers and therefore their futures. They wanted consequences. They wanted people to suffer. They wanted heads to roll. These are 15-year-old kids. And then the truth came out. Oh, wait. You mean that this perfect made-to-order story for the left-wing media coming right on the heels of the incredible self-immolation of credibility that occurred with the collapse of that BuzzFeed story on Friday, which we've talked about, not content to just engage in that self-mockery and self-parody. The media jumped on this story in CNN and Anna Cabrera, who's one of these, you know, sort of second or third tier anchors over at CNN or just sort of hoping to make a name over there, did an interview with the the guy Phillips and, oh, you know, your Native American heritage is being maligned. Just the pylon from the media was massive right away. No effort to what if true, what where's the if true construction? They used that all last week in order to bash Trump. What about the if true? This looks bad. No, it was just this looks bad. And it was because white kids, MAGA hats, Native American, you know, they, you know, Native American looking at them and, and the mockery of Trump. People were blaming Trump for what happened here. Oh, but what really happened was something. Very different. I watched the full video of the incident. It's like an hour and forty-five minutes long, and it turns out that these students who oh, and also attended the March for Life, and you, I can't leave that out because that makes it that that's not it's not even a twofer. It's a threefer. It's it just piles in all this stuff that the mainstream media just despises. Young, predominantly, but not entirely, uh, white upper middle class or middle class Catholic kids with Trump hats on, marching for the defense of unborn babies. This is like, it's like they created in a lab the most hateful thing that liberals could possibly conjure up, and this is what it is. Now, they just hate this because liberals are supposed to control the youth. Liberals hate that any young people would support Trump. They love talking about how white people oppress Native Americans, all this stuff, right? which is why this was a story. There's no story here. Nobody was assaulted. No, no, none of the Covington students used any racial slurs or did anything bad. One of them just looked at this guy who was an adult banging his drum right in the face of a 15-year-old kid. These are kids. These are kids. And what you see from the full video is that there was a whole bunch of stuff said to them, I can't even say some of it here on air, but that another group of black activists nearby call themselves the black Israelites were shouting at these kids to create a tense situation. These these are adults now yelling at kids. And they encourage this guy Phillips, the black Israelites to march into this group of, let's say 50 to 100 Covington students and bang your drum in their face and force a confrontation. That's right, the adults went looking for a confrontation. And right before that happened, things were said, yelled on video, audibly, at these students like, quote, I hope you crackers are ready. Come closer and you're going to catch it, which is a threat of violence, of course. Quote, the biggest terrorist on the face of this earth is, is the pale-faced man, woman, and child. Quote, you have a school shooter haircut. Quote, you are a bunch of incest babies and, quote, go back to Europe. Uh, They also used ethnic slurs for a black student who was with the Covington, a a fellow student with this, this Covington class I mean, just, just horrible stuff and profanity. They used a word that's, you know, begins in an F and ends in an OT to describe uh, describe uh, one of the students. I mean, yelling anti-gay slurs, ethnic slurs, adults verbally abusing and antagonizing a, a Catholic school outing to the March for Life. And the news media before, you know, doing any of the basic due diligence runs with this story because it fit all their preconceived notions. This was Duke Lacrosse all over again. This was the gang rape in the UVA uh, fraternity house that Rolling Stone wrote about that never happened. That was a total fabrication. Just like the Duke Lacrosse gang rape, never happened, total fabrication. This is what happens in the media, and they refuse to accept that it is because of their incredible ideological bias. I mean, just their unwillingness to check any of their lib, delusional assumptions about life and the world around them, right? Their irrational, irrational preconceived notions about what's really going on in this country, about oppression and victimization and all these things that they could even they could run with this story and and have just no problem buying this whole thing that was presented to them without doing the basics of due diligence without doing the basic fact checking and then the walkbacks afterwards half-hearted at best oh well you know we we've got new information and it's under dispute it's not under dispute there's a video there's video evidence these adults antagonize these kids and the media, CNN, NBC, New York Times, Washington Post, they all were reporting on this story breathlessly because it gave them an opportunity to create a favorite narrative for their audience. Look at these privileged white kids being racist. That's That's what it was. Privileged white kids in Trump hats being racist and oh, also they like unborn babies. They want to, they want to keep them alive, bad bad people. Uh, look at them and and just mock them and 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 destroy their lives. If there were people who were saying things, I mean, journalists that I know, journalists with followings who were saying things like, you know, look at that face about one of these fifteen year old kids. He'll look he, that face will never change. He should never be forgiven for this. We should shame him forever. Journalists verified, Journalists on Twitter were, were talking about violence against these kids. A little, these are fifteen year, fourteen and fifteen year old kids. You're, you're a, and what did they even do? They didn't do anything. One of them looked at this weirdo Native American protester guy who got up in their faces. And and the kids are the bad guys. I mean, the media couldn't put two and two together. Are these people all morons? I mean, I really asked this question. You know, they all, they all just sort of catch each other's backs, and it's just like this one big lib cabal that runs these legacy media institutions, and they're so unimpressive. These people have no critical thinking abilities. Why is it that I was saying on Friday on Twitter, you can check if you want, that looks like BuzzFeed's believing a Trump hater, and uh, that's never burned anybody before, right? Very sarcastically saying, I didn't believe the BuzzFeed story, and, and all these major outlets are running with it all day. Why is it that I knew when I saw this video don't jump on this virtue signaling bandwagon right away you know that they can't figure this stuff out that that uh, you know young teenagers don't go picking fights with adults in parks because uh, because they're so racist and they didn't even pick a fight they didn't do it. they didn't do anything they were uh, giving their school chant that's what they were yelling and they thought that that was allowing them to diffuse what had become a very strange, a very tense situation. The things that, you know, the things that were said about, about these kids and, uh, and the things that were done to them are, are absolutely disgusting. And, you know, I'm not somebody who generally says that if you make a mistake in journalism... You know they, or or if I really disagree with a position, in journalism that that somebody should get fired. Anyone who was a part of trying to dox, which means you know, put up their personal information online for anybody to use and and go after them. Anybody who was a part of an effort to de- to destroy these kids, they their butt should get fired. They should get fired. I've got some some broader thoughts on this one. I'm not not quite done with the story yet, so stay with me. I wanted to tell you what what the. One of the biggest takeaways I think we all should have from it is uh, I'll be right back. When do you want to spot the burglar that's prowling around your yard when he's out there or after he's in? Ask John, whose blink camera alerted him of burglars trying to break in while he and his family were at home. Or Shannon, whose Blink camera caught a thief stealing packages. Both times, Blink video clips were sent to police to help convict the crooks. Blink motion-activated indoor and outdoor cameras are wire-free. They set up in minutes and run on two AA batteries that last up to two years. And if you're traveling, Blink's live feed options let you monitor your home and check in on pets from anywhere using the Blink smartphone app. No contracts, no subscriptions, totally affordable, and Blink works with Alexa. Blink camera systems make great gifts, and they're a brilliant way to monitor your package deliveries. Visit blinkprotect.com slash buck. Again, that's blinkprotect.com slash buck. Once more, blink, B-L-I-N-K, protect.com slash buck. Blink is an Amazon company. Sometimes, team, I get asked to go speak around the country for any number of different events. And by the way, event you want me to be the, you know, the, a speaker, keynote speaker, MC, whatever, just reach out to me on Facebook. People are always amazed. Yeah, I'll, I'll come to your event if, you know, we, we can work that out. Um, but one of the things that I've been trying to tell everybody is, because I think the conservatives under have always instinctually understood that the Silicon Valley giants of social media are not our friends and that they are skewed against us. But one of the things that we we've haven't really taken into account is that by seeding that battle, that intellectual battle space to the other side, we've given them a huge weapon to use against us. And even if you are not on social media, you may not care about social media, but it cares about you because it's just a matter of time. And this is why I wrote this piece on the Hill, which I do hope you all get a chance to read at thehill.com, in the opinion section that it's only a matter of time before the social media mob comes for you. Well, the reason that is, is maybe it's not you as a person, but this will affect you because someone, your husband, your significant other, one of your children, your cousin, whatever, someone you care about at some point is going to be on the wrong side of the social justice mob online. And they are going to drag that person and try to ruin that person's character and destroy their job prospects and ruin them for life, and they feel righteous while they do it. What this shows you, this whole Covington High School media coverage debacle, what this shows you is that it doesn't matter if you are just going about your life. The online rage mob can find you if you're on the, if you're just going to the grocery store. You know, because people interact with other people and there's sometimes tension and things happen and, you know, all it takes is someone to pull out a phone and and somebody, you or somebody you know, becomes the target of one of these rage mobs and it's terrifying. And that big time journos would be a part of that online dragging process, right? That online humiliation and destruction effort is disgraceful. And these people who did that at places like CNN and NBC and the Washington Post are immoral, cowardly disgraces, and they should be ashamed of themselves. And we know who they are. You can go see online who it was. They should be ashamed of what they did because they tried for reasons of wanting to seem like they're so good and virtuous and to push a political narrative to their left-wing lunatic audience They tried to ruin a bunch of young men. Ruin them. Thank heavens there was video so we know that it was all just a big pack of lies. America was never great. That, one of the chants heard from the Women's March. Uh, you know, this I I probably you know, what it honestly was I, I couldn't this weekend just muster up the the attention span and the interest to go out there and do some men on the street interviews. I thought about it. But unless I could speak to like Sarsour or Mallory or some of the leaders, you know, I don't I don't really like this thing of, you, you know, you find people on the street who want to march for their cause and you ask them questions and they look really dumb. You know, you know, sometimes they can be kind of funny and they certainly do it to our side whenever they can. Um, But I don't think it really illuminates anything unless you're speaking to leadership or really dealing with the 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 people who are the um, essentially pushing the agenda, you know, who are part of the structure. There's a lot of people want to go out. They want to march and do their thing. I mean, first of all, it's America. They're more than welcome to do that. But also, I I didn't really feel the need to go out there. I thought about it, but I don't feel the need to go out there and be like, so, you know, what do you think of, I don't know, the Kavanaugh hearing or something and just getting into some kind of argument with a stranger. I don't really like arguing with strangers in the street. It's not fun. But speaking of the leadership of the Women's March, this should not surprise anybody. Women's March leadership have now said that claims about anti-Semitism were racist. This is from Tamika Mallory and Sarsor You know, this is always this is always the fallback, right? Whenever you whenever you're caught, if you are part of a a protected minority group on the left, doesn't work if you're a conservative. If you're a black conservative, you don't get to do this. If you're a a Muslim conservative, you don't get to do this. You know, it's only if you're on the left, you get to say, oh, it's because of racism and everybody will you know, rush to your side and, and rush to your defense. Um, but. You know, as as I as I look at this thing, I I just I, I wish that it wasn't so obvious that there's a double standard, uh, a double standard in the way the media treats anti-Semitism that comes to the left and, and even perceptions of anti-Semitism on the right. But of course there is. Uh, and I and I also wish that the the left did not dabble so much in America hatred, you know, Um. You know, don't I, I wish that it wasn't always about finding the negative in this country and bashing this country as a means of self-empowerment because, look, America's got problems. I talk about a lot of them on the show. But anybody who lives in this country who does not realize that in the scope of human history, they are immensely blessed. I mean, just in a whole other level of blessed, historically speaking, just, just doesn't have any perspective and honestly doesn't know what the heck they're talking about. You know, I, I'm not somebody that isn't aware of of the warts and the shortcomings of this country, but I mean, America is. You know, we are so prosperous and so free and so lucky compared to what other generations in in this country and certainly historically around the world uh, were ever subjected to. Um, and you know, I, I just I just think that uh, there should be a, a, a more of a reckoning with the way that this whole women's march thing just you know it's a lot of it just to me is a lot of it's kind of complaining and and complaining about the other side and you know that they say it's a march for unity but really this is a democrat left-wing march this isn't a women's march okay this isn't just about women pro-life women or not they they're either officially not welcome or certainly don't feel welcome so this is a political march that's under the guise of being some broad, uniting mechanism for all women. And that's just not, it's dishonest. It's dishonest. This is, this is the left using gender as a mechanism for getting people to turn out on the street and push for left-wing causes. It's not just about being a woman. A lot of women aren't down for this whole progressive women's march thing. And certainly a lot of them are at the March for Life. God bless them who, uh, who are able to march in that. Uh, Let's talk candidates for uh, 2020 in a moment here. Stay with me. I am running for president of the United
3: States. (laughs) Yay! And I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited about it. My entire career has been focused on keeping people safe. It is probably one of the things that motivates me more than anything else. And when I look at this moment in time, I know that the American people deserve to have somebody who is going to fight for them, who is going to see them, who will hear them, who will care about them, who will be concerned about their experience and put them in front of self-interest.
1: Oh, uh, Kamala Harris. I will tell you, I've asked my Democrat colleagues... At the hill, I said I, I want to make sure that I'm saying her name right because it's not that hard. Because I hear I hear Kamala, Camilla Camella. I mean, you hear all these different versions of the name. It is Kamala. rhymes with Pamela. So I'm just saying, it took me a long time to get Rosen Rosenstein right, not Rosenstein over at DOJ. No, no, I spoke to my DOJ contacts. Rosenstein got to get got to get these names right over time, uh, but uh, camel. And by the way, you might hear me say, uh, Kamala. And I've had to learn about pronunciation since I've been on radio. I had to learn that it's Oregon, not Oregon. People in the Northeast all say Oregon. Everyone else says, what do you mean? Of course it's Oregon. Uh, and, and of course my, my favorite, which you all pointed out to me, I think it was a year ago, listeners to the show, uh, Nevada, not Nevada. Hey, I'm going to Nevada. It's going to be very fancy. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, Kamala Harris is is in. She has thrown her name in the hat, so to speak. She is she is now one of many many Democrats who are uh, looking to be the next president of the United States. They're calling it on Drudge, uh, the Democrat stampede of of twenty twenty. And I, I've got to say, uh, you know, you've got her, and l- l- first let's let's deal with. Kamala Harris. And then we'll get to Kirsten Gilliam. Look, we know the Democrats are desperate to have a viable female candidate in 2020. And I get why the narrative for them works. You know, they they are going to say that women, especially uh, white suburban women who are moms have turned against Trump. And if they have a female candidate who seems reasonable they can probably get some some swing voters because remember, it really the, the presidential election of twenty twenty is going to be about a a few hundred thousand voters in Florida, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, Wisconsin, you know maybe Nevada, you know one or two other states, right? But that but that's what it is. You and me, they they don't care what we think, right? I mean, yeah, they, they Trump has to keep faith with the base, and that's why we're in the midst of this whole shutdown talk, but. And they know that if, if Trump does his thing, we're in for him. And they also know that neither you nor I, although there's some Democrats, hey, Democrats, listen to this show. I always appreciate you too. You know, I like being the, you know, the, I'm kind of like the, uh, the, the date that you don't want your friends to know about. You know, you like the show. You like my vibe. You know, I know stuff and I, I, I keep it real. Um, but you don't want to tell your friends about it yet, Democrats. That's okay. That's cool. You don't, you don't have to, you know, you can just listen. You will keep it on the down low, all right. I can be your I can be your down low radio show. No one else has to know about this. Um, that said, you know I, I I think that we really do see the Democrats pushing for female candidates based on what the pollsters and the and the consultants are going to say, but who ultimately you know are just not very impressive. I'm sorry. Kamala Harris and Kirsten, I mean, Kirsten Gillibrand in particular, we're, we're about to get to that. But I mean, Kamala Harris is, one, willing to essentially play the role of, of anti-Catholic bigot. Uh, you remember, I think, do we have some of that audio, John? Play se- do we, is that what I think it is? Play 17.
3: And some people would suggest that in diversity, when there is a diverse population, one cannot achieve unity. I reject that notion because this is my belief. Yes, we are diverse. And we have so much more in common than what separates us. And when we emphasize that commonality, when we recognize that commonality, we will achieve greater unity. And in particular, greater unity than we have right now, where there are so many powerful voices who are trying to sow hate and division among us. We've got to reject that. It is not reflective of who we are as Americans, and it is not in our best interest. Our unity has always been our strength, and our strength is our unity.
1: Okay, right. Feel yeah, unity, strong. unity, all that stuff. I, I thought we it's all right. I thought, I thought we were calling for a clip where she was asking questions on the judiciary of a Catholic. Uh, so I, I, that's on me, though. I got my things mixed up. But, but here's the point, all right? she's there, That's a different clip. That's fine. There she is talking about how, you know, we're all about unity, unity, unity. And this is the Democrats are going to run with this thing. Meanwhile, we know that Democrats in their politics are I- incredibly divisive. They divide us by race, by gender, by sexual orientation and expect us to hold opinions and support policies and and to have beliefs that those superficial characteristics, skin color, gender, ethnicity, that have nothing to do with a person's intellect, uh, their character, their ability, their worldview, their, you know, They expect those things to partially, if not entirely, dictate positions that people will have. And if you don't play into that, if you're unwilling to do that, they essentially call you a traitor to whatever that group is. So Democrats are incredibly divisive. Division is central to their, you know, they really have a coalition of division. That is the Democrats are. It's all these different groups that they have separated out from conservatism um, and the Republican Party, and and they do this by establishing that you're not allowed, you're not allowed to think for yourself and determine whether you like conservative or Republican ideas because we're telling you that you're oppressed, that those people, the Republicans, which yes, there's a lot of white males in the Republican Party, a lot of other people in the Republican Party too are not white males, but those people are the problem, they're your enemy, you, you cannot like their ideas. You must go along with us. That's the Democrat pitch, essentially. And what I was getting at before is that Kamala Harris is, is willing to be very nasty to uh, Catholic ju- you know jurists on the federal bench because they're all getting ready for the Amy Coney Barrett fight, you know, attractive, young, brilliant Catholic mother of, I think, five, uh, mother of a lot of babies. And is pro-life, and they are gonna have to come at her with everything that because they're gonna tr- they're gonna try to kavanaugh her, except I don't think that they're gonna bring forward people that lie about how she was sexually harassing them. although maybe, you know, maybe they have a guy named Bob who's like, yeah, Amy Coney Barrett was like really grabby with me once. like I don't know. they could try it. I, I It's unlikely to me, but I I, I don't know because they're gonna be desperate to stop Barrett. but Harris has already laid the groundwork for, one, her her big role will be, because she's still on Senate Judiciary, her big role is going to be to, to the defender of Roe v. Wade against Trump's next judge. That's how she thinks she's going to separate herself from the Democrats. Uh, there's this huge pack of Democrats that now, we what do we got? We've got, we've got, uh, well, we got a lot of people who say they might be in, right? We got Warren, we got maybe Bloomberg, we got uh, maybe Biden. We've got Ber- maybe Bernie Sanders. Maybe Cory Booker. I don't even know. Some of these probably might have have said they're in. I don't even care. It's so early. Who cares? Jay Inslee. I know he is in. He has announced. Um. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh. Uh. Kamala Harris has officially announced. And then oh, Kirsten Gillibrand. Kirsten Gillibrand is now. I don't. I don't want to be mean. I, I really try to avoid ever being mean on this show, but I think the only person who gives Maisie Hirono of Hawaii real competition for being uh, the dumbest sitting senator might be Kirsten Gillibrand. I, and I don't say that out of out of maliciousness, although I know that sounds a little. I I say it right you now, and some are like, come on, buddy,
2: terrible person.
1: Yeah, I know. I deserve that. Uh, But she's just I've heard her speak about so many things and she's really, really unimpressive. And I I, I think that she's somebody who's essentially riding a a degree of just identity politics and and the currents of the moment on the left into a, a national spotlight that she's just not ready for. I mean, I really believe that. I think she's just not ready for it. And she's also somebody who's pretty detached from reality on the whole. Uh, Trump situation and you know we've talked about the BuzzFeed report today on the show here here's what she said recently about President Trump play eight
3: the report is highly concerning Martha it just shows more evidence that perhaps this president did obstruct justice it shows uh that um,
0: even though the special counsel disputes it
3: Martha it raises a question in my mind that is very serious and so what we need is Mueller to be able to finish his investigation
1: I mean, you can't make this up here. You have a sitting U.S. senator who is saying that a a BuzzFeed report that the special counsel has said is just crap, is just not true, that that report raises important questions about the president. And, you know, maybe he's still he's still guilty of the stuff. It's a lie, but he's still guilty. This is the Dan Rather routine. They made a movie about Dan Rather called Truth. I mean, it's the most flagrant stupidity you've ever seen in film form A movie called Truth about how Dan Rather ran fake National Guard documents, which everyone knows were fake. The documents were fake. That is a fact. But maybe there was still an underlying truth he was exposing by using the fake documents. These people are delusional. And Kirsten Gillibrand is one of them. And, you know, she may seem kind of like, oh, you know, just, oh, gee, golly, gosh, just like a Democrat. But really, you know, I'm just like a soccer mom. And, you know, I'm all, you know, no. No. No, she's going to turn into a radical lefty because she's going to have to compete with all these crazy wannabe socialist Marxist types in the Democrat primary, and she's going to get nasty. And I'm just telling you, she's not, she's just not up for it. She's, you know, I, you know, she's not, she's not even as bright as Elizabeth, you know, Elizabeth Warren is smarter. I mean, I'm not going to say Elizabeth Warren is, you know, I think she's got no shot, but uh, you know, I just don't really think that, uh. You know, I don't really think that it's there. I mean, you know, Cory Booker, say what you will about the guy. You know, he kind of gets the political game a little bit. He's obviously made some errors, but he has more policy facility when he talks than I've ever heard Kirsten Gillibrand able to muster up. And I'm trying to think who else are the Democrats that are in, in the mix here. You know, Kamala Harris, by the way, is not not I've never seen her be dumb. I'm, I'm, and so I just want to be clear. You know, I'm not just running around calling all Democrats. Kamala Harris seems pretty sharp to me. I, I think she's a, I think she's kind of a political shark, actually. I think she's very, uh, you know, she's very calculating and knows what she wants to get. So, you know, don't don't mistake. I know I'm throwing Maisie Hirono and Gillibrand on the bus here. I, I think Harris is pretty sharp, and I just think she lacks charisma and connection, and that's going to be a problem for her running for but going forward. But we'll see. Um, Democrats are going to have to put somebody up. None of them scare me so far, but, you know, there's a lot of time. Well, at least scare me in terms of beating Trump. They they all scare me. We got a big hour three coming up. Stay with me. This one goes out to all of you who are going to be doing a little hiring this year or if you work in an HR department, whether your company is a huge Fortune 100 or you're a startup, you need to have background checks run on your people. And the best in the business of background investigations and vetting is Global Verification Network. I know the CEO and I know the company and the culture that he has created. And let me tell you, you want Global Verification Network because it's the only dual certified veteran owned business in this space. And they will make sure that they tailor, whatever your needs are, they will tailor their programs to them. So you call them, Tell them what you need, how many people you've got, and they'll set up the background checks for you. Couldn't be any easier. I've reached out to them myself for help in the past. You should, too. Call 877-695-1179. That's 877-695-1179. Or go to myGVN. Again, that's myGVN.com.
0: I think what the American people saw the president do yesterday was say, "I'm," I, you know, I, I want to set the table for us resolving this issue in a way that achieves his objectives to uh, secure the border, uh, end the humanitarian and security crisis, um, end the government shutdown, but also to, to bring, together, uh, bring together the Democrats' priorities to accomplish that. That's what the American people expect us to do. And, and honestly, you know, uh, you know, the hearts and minds of the American people today are thinking a lot about it being the weekend where we remember the life and work of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., One of my favorite quotes from Dr. King was, now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. You think of how he changed America. He inspired us to change through the legislative process to become a more perfect union. That's exactly what President Trump is calling on the Congress to do. Come to the table in a spirit of good faith. We'll secure our border. We'll reopen the government. And we'll move our nation forward, as the president said yesterday, to even a broader discussion about immigration reform in the months ahead.
1: Let me just tell you, liberals absolutely hate it. Hate, hate, hate it. When any conservative makes any really a a passing reference to Martin Luther King, but especially when the the words and and the spirit of of dr king are are used for any kind of a a conservative cause even, even one that everyone should agree is is positive they just do not ever they, they chafe i'm telling you libs just despise any reference uh to martin luther king whether it's met referencing the i have a dream speech or the content of character not color of skin or any of these quotes conservatives aren't allowed to use it that that's kind of the 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 way that the the lib media always approaches these things. So for Mike Pence, I can tell you to say, and, and I understand the point that he was making, and I think Pence is a very earnest and uh, an eloquent guy. I do not think that he's, I, I don't think, I don't think he's a phony at all. So I, I do believe he was trying to make a, a point in good faith there. But I just, as soon as I heard it, I thought about, oh man, they do not accept, they do not accept any comparison of even you know if if you say to a lib that martin luther king liked butter on his toast and so did then so does donald trump they'll say how dare you make a comparison between martin luther king and donald trump on, on anything i'm not saying even comparing them as people i just mean you you bring them in the same sentence in any way other than to say that you know trump is terrible and you know all this other stuff oh other than to say essentially what what bernie sanders Decided to go with here. Uh, play. This is a classic, classic lib Democrat. Use MLK Day to trash the... It's, instead of bringing the country together, instead of finding a way to have a constructive conversation about not just race, but any policy and the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King and what it has meant for this country and the healing and the nonviolence and the open dialogue, all these incredible things. Instead of having that discussion, they want to have the... But you know, Trump is such a racist. It's not okay today. Today we got to sit around and talk about what a racist Trump is. Play uh, 13.
0: Today we talk about justice and today we talk about racism. And I must tell you, it gives me no pleasure to tell you that we now have a president of the United States who is a racist.
1: A president who is a racist. I, I always wonder, you know, where is it that, you know, what is it that they base this idea on? Because uh, I've mentioned this to you, I think, in the past. I knew the Trump family a little bit growing up in New York. Um, you, there, there's just no, there's no one who knows any of them who thinks that they're racists. Who knows them personally, I mean. You know, forget about Trump as president, everything else. No one actually thinks they're racist. So why do they always say that Trump is a racist? Because of his comment about how Mexico's not sending us their best, I mean, yeah, he was speaking in broad strokes, but you know, there there are a lot of people that come over the border illegally who uh, are criminals, who are are not are not contributing to the country. And that should be a part at least of the discussion. If we're going to have a near de facto open borders policy, we should at least that doesn't mean that all of them are, but he was trying to have a conversation about them. There are rapists and murderers who come across the border. Uh, illegally. That, that's a, that's a fact. He was speaking in broad terms. They still get so upset about that. Obviously, President Trump doesn't think that all Latinos are rapists and murderers. It's just it's just idiocy. Right? They they try to pin these positions on Trump that he he so clearly does not hold. But they like to say that anyway. Um, they like to just repeat all the time that Trump is a racist, and they say, oh well, because because of Charlottesville. Uh, you know i think that trump is not somebody who's used to having to speak about very tense situations like what what unfolded at charlottesville in a way where he's trying to you know a- avoid controversy and and is speaking as the president and not as a private citizen i think that he you know m- missed maybe an opportunity there and and misspoke um and and did not right away but then later he, he Condemn them, he said. You know, they, they, these guys marching with the tiki torches are losers, and the whole thing. He said, but but the stuff that he says that isn't racist always gets forgotten, ignored. That that never can be a part of the conversation. You know, you know, people who say that Trump is bad for the LGBTQ community, for example. I always point out, Obama ran as a traditional marriage president. Obama didn't want to lose the support of black churches, particularly in the South. And at the time so he ran as a as a marriage is man and a woman. Civil unions are okay, marriage is a man and woman. That was Barack Obama. Donald Trump was on stage when he was running for president, holding up and 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 celebrating the uh rainbow flag of, of gay pride. Has never received any any uh commentary about that. You know, no one ever talks about it. The first president to ever openly at a rally while running for president to embrace uh gay marriage quite honestly no no one ever said and the first one to run who's 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 you know uh, in favor of gay marriage or or agrees with gay marriage as a policy I think it doesn't ever get any credit for that but but they love to say that Donald Trump is a racist and all of his supporters are racist even his minority supporters are racists you look now and I was actually having a discussion today with some I had kind of a, a power lunch with some uh political minds here in DC today and we're talking about how there's uh, increasing support for Trump among Latinos. They're starting to see Latinos are realizing, look, Trump is the guy who, as as Latino Americans are increasingly in the ranks of the middle class and small business owners, and as that is occurring, they realize Trump is the guy who wants to take the, the you know, the the foot of government regulation and taxation off your neck and allow you to provide and, and enjoy you know, the fruits of your labor and enjoy your your uh, what you build and, and what successes you have and to provide more family and greater comfort and greater stability for your family. Trump is the guy who wants to. The Democrats wanna promise you fairy tales about how you're gonna have great single payer healthcare policies uh, or you know, healthcare plans rather, and it's all gonna be great and someone else, can, and you're gonna have free college and that's gonna be great. And college is still some panacea that's going to get you a great job. These are all. This is all just not true. But that's what the Democrats offer. And once people get in the place where they're middle class, they're paying taxes. They're like, you know what? I don't, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to deal with this anymore. So I'm hoping that that trend continues and more and more Latinos see that Trump is really aligned with their interests on many things in this country. Usually, you would expect that it's only on. Columbus Day, that there might be one of these controversies that we've been seeing crop up in in recent years about anything that honors or or even commemorates Christopher Columbus. This is increasingly now a, a topic that the social justice left and the PC police have decided to make an issue of. But today is Martin Luther King Day. It's not Columbus Day. Why would columbus be an issue right what columbus has nothing to do with anything martin luther king related They, they lived a couple centuries apart so uh you'd think or more than that actually a few centuries apart so you think that there's really nothing to oh nope turns out sensitivities being what they are now around christopher columbus the university of notre dame decided just last night that they were going to cover up as they celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day, they're going to cover up an on-campus mural of Christopher Columbus. You gotta, you gotta stop and say to yourself a, a few things here. One, what the heck does this have to do with anything? But if you take the perspective of the perpetually aggrieved intersectional left, they view Christopher Columbus as a symbol of, of white intolerance, oppression, and uh, and exploitation, regardless of the century we're talking about or the issue at hand. So now Columbus, who in his time would have been considered by every culture, any culture, to be completely uh, within the bounds of, of what was expected. I'm not saying that makes it moral, I'm just saying that if you are judging somebody by the period they lived in, you have to judge everybody else too Now Columbus is is increasingly beyond the pill. I I, I want to get into Notre Dame in in a second, the fact that this is a a Catholic, probably the premier Catholic, I mean, Georgetown is technically Catholic, but like, come on, nobody really thinks it's Catholic anymore. Uh, Notre Dame is probably the premier Catholic university in the country. And for them to take, this is from the president, this is from the the head of the whole whole thing, to, to feel the need to cover up this Christopher Columbus mural, I just... I feel like this is only possible, you know, this this mindset of we need to judge people from around the 15th, the late 15th, early 16th century by modern social justice sensibilities. Where does this stop and start? Because, you know, if if we have to take into account what Columbus did to the native peoples, whenever we have any discussion of him, and, and in fact, if we have to repudiate Columbus because of that, What what are we to say about the tribes that were in the Caribbean and in uh, Central America and what is now southern Mexico, including the Aztecs, most notably the Aztecs, who engaged in massive enslavement, human sacrifice and cannibalism? I'm just wondering, do do we get to say that the native peoples on the American continent, some of them have have atonement that they should that they should consider? Do we get to take into account the moral failings of native peoples or only the moral failings of Europeans? And and why do we make this distinction or rather why do we have this double standard that we have to apply? I mean, the Aztecs were a bloodthirsty, oppressive people. They built some really cool statues and had some interesting, you know, really cool buildings and temples and interesting stuff, not really statues so much, but the temples and you know, we, we look at them through the lens of history like we do everybody else, but they were they were uh, bloodthirsty people in terms of how they treated other natives. Um, you know, I, I told you about, uh, what was it, six or 12 months ago, I read a book, a, a whole book on Cortez, and they're actually turning Cortez, I believe, now into a either a mini-series or a full series, which it should be, because it's an incredible story. I mean, the story of, of Hernan Cortez uh, as a conquistador is probably the most incredible military victory of, of all time. When you look at the odds, the personnel, the, you know the, the differences in personnel in terms of, you know, numbers on his side versus numbers on the other side. The story of Cortez is among the most improbable military victories of all time. Absolutely, I mean, a guy shows up to five hundred people and takes on an empire of millions. How how do you do that, right? Uh, but he was a a brilliant and ruthless strategist and and tactician but why do we never hear about this and also why do we just limit it then to and how can we limit it only to christopher columbus i mean i've i've pointed out to uh, many of you before that we have fewer and fewer symbols that we can all agree are inoffensive from our history or, or don't have some problem to include the founding fathers right now now it's the founding fathers that are uh, that are coming under, once again, renewed attack. They were slave owners, therefore they were immoral. We should not celebrate them. We should repudiate them. But even something as seemingly innocuous as the Vikings. I've told you, n- nobody yet protests, you know, that they, they've gotten upset a little bit about the mask. you know, this is from the mascot controversy, right? They get upset about the fighting Irish, which is just silly. I mean, no Irish person's really offended by a leprechaun. I'm the leprechaun. Remember that? John, did you ever see those movies? They were kind of scary. I'm the leprechaun. I never forget when Wayne, the only thing I remember from Wayne's World 2 was Wayne doing the leprechaun face with the light up to it. And I was like, he gets it. Those movies terrified me, man. Warwick Davis, the actor, was the leprechaun. He's also the lead role in the movie Willow, which was essentially a Disney ripoff of the Lord of the Rings trilogy before they made that into a movie. Fun facts. Uh, Willow has some cool stuff. Michael, not gonna lie. there's some cool stuff in Willow that doesn't really hold up. It's also, Val Kilmer's in his element. Val Kilmer does pretty well on that. But I'm the leprechaun. There's be pot of gold. Like the scary little leprechaun with the long claws. He was mean, too. He was a mean little leprechaun. But nobody really gets all, all in a tizzy about that. But I, I've mentioned the Vikings before. I mean, the Vikings were a society built on slavery, rape, loot and pillage. Right, the the Vikings had slaves, the Vikings specifically targeted had a had a particular hatred of the um uh, monasteries and and monks and and Christian priests and and nuns and they would try to seek them out and pillage and Rape and destroy these uh, these monasteries and all the people that were in them on the coasts of Ireland and the coasts of of what is now the UK. So, you know that's um, that's something that you, you don't hear much about. And so I just wonder, you know, is that toxic masculinity? Should should we have to repudiate the Vikings because of what their culture was? I mean, it just gets silly after a while, doesn't it? It gets silly. But this is silly that Columbus, a mural of Christopher Columbus. He's not, you know, beating anybody with a stick. He's not doing anything violent or bad. That a mural of Columbus would uh, need to be covered on Martin Luther King Day just shows, it just shows an embrace of a level of sensitivity that's unsustainable in society without essentially engaging in a kind of ignorance, iconoclasm where all aspects of history that are a little difficult or a little touchy or a little controversial, we have to ignore, pretend aren't there. I mean, uh, the mural is a historical depiction of an event uh, where where Columbus is returning, I believe, to Queen Isabella, wh- wh- who has brought, you know, he has brought these, these natives with him. Yes, they, they, the natives had been enslaved. This was a commonplace practice at the time. It doesn't mean it's okay, but it is a historical depiction of what happened no, no one bows down and says, you know, all hail Christopher Columbus. We worship Christopher Columbus. The guy was an explorer. He played a big role in history. And this is a historical depiction of that. Right? It's not a, you know, Christopher Columbus is not held up as a moral and virtuous person that all of us have to try to be like. So why is there the need to repudiate this? Uh, why do they, it's just. It strikes me as, as, as utterly bizarre. It really does. But it's going to get worse. And, you know, this is at a Catholic university. You'd like to think that a Catholic university would care more about history and, and the truth than it does about sensitivities. But Catholic Church, you know, I'm a Catholic. The Catholics have been, uh, we've been infiltrated by the social justice left for a long time and doing a lot of damage, a lot of damage to a church that has problems that extend Way beyond what any of us wish they did. But anyway, uh, I've got a we're gonna do a little bit of talk about America here in a second, and then we'll get roll call coming coming up. Stay with me. You know, team, I was busy last night reading and researching and writing, but I feel like a bad American because I, I missed what was apparently an incredible night of, of football. And and I just realized that I, I have I went to I went to one football game this year. I have not yet uh, watched on TV an entire football game. And, and you know, a couple of years ago, I watched a lot of them. I have not watched any this year. Fortunately, we had, we do have a real American who works on this show, and his name is <laughs> Producer Mike. And Producer Mike is an Eagles fan, but he's fair-minded about this stuff. He's fair-minded. Yeah. Mike, what did I miss? What were the highlights? I saw something about a no-call, and everybody freaked out, and then everybody was
4: worshiping Tom Brady. What happened? Right. You, you pretty much summed it up right there in 10 seconds or less. Um, there was a big play in the first game, which was the Saints – Game against the Rams, where there was a clear no call that really could, really did change the outcome of the game. Where the Rams defender created, there was a pass interference play the refs completely missed that uh, extended the game, extended the Rams' drive, and they went on to score and win. Where if the correct call was made, the Saints would have held on to the ball and would have won the game and gone to the Super Bowl. So that really was a huge play that uh, changed oh, wow. the whole. So dynamic. it actually
1: did cost. It did cost the team yeah, entry to the Super Bowl. It
4: did. I mean, like you know, they're saying the right things after the game. Uh, like, it's not one play, all that standard stuff you usually hear. But the funny part of it was, after the game, when they were interviewing the guy who got away with the play, you know, usually when you get away with the play, you say, you made the right play, and I didn't get away with it. It was a good call. The dude on the Rams who committed the penalty, when they asked him if he committed the penalty, he was like, oh yeah, I did it. He's like, I totally got away with it. So it was pretty, uh, it was pretty funny that he actually copped to the play that they missed. But it was the the turning point in the game, which led to the Rams winning. I, I don't know if I've ever heard that before. I know you um, never so do. That, that's a first. And he was like, yeah. he, he was not bashful about it. He was laughing. He's like, yeah, man. He's like, I, I he's like, I, I got in there early. I completely hit him early. He's like, I went down to the ground. I heard the crowd roar. I thought there was gonna be a penalty against me. I got up, and there was no penalty. I completely got away with it. <laughs> In that sense, I guess it's yeah. a
1: dirty play, but a, but a, but a great play from the outcome. Yeah. Um, well, so what? So now we're going into real quick here, Mike. We're going mm-hmm. into uh, what the the Rams versus the Patriots. Does anybody think right. the Patriots can actually or act that the Rams rather can actually beat the Patriots?
4: Um. I, some people. Well, you know, as you mentioned earlier, I'm an Eagles fan, and a lot of people were saying the same thing last year. Did the Eagles have a shot? And nobody thought they did, and then the Eagles won. So. Um, I do think the Rams have a shot. I think most people are going to favor the Patriots because you know Brady is playing great right now. And but you never know. It's uh, going to be a pretty good game. Is, I think is Brady is Brady the goat? Yes. Not his wife, Mike. Okay, yeah, is, is Brady the yeah. goat? Well, that's a two, that's that's two yeses right there. But um, yeah, I mean he's unbelievable. I think this is his ninth Super Bowl he's going to be in, which is unheard of. Um, he's a three-time MVP, four-time Pro Baller. This would be his sixth Super Bowl victory. So, I mean he's by far and away the best, I think.
1: There we go, everybody. Producer Mike, for our our, our special correspondent for actually being an American, <laughs> yes. talking a little football, <laughs> we have some roll call coming up.
0: Hey, team Buck. It's time for roll call. Row call
1: is the best call. Time to get into your thoughts, everybody. I'm glad that I didn't have a day off today, because you know what? I would have, um, I would have been sad to not be able to talk to you. I, I had the day off from Hill TV today, which was very nice, but that means that I got to sleep in. But I don't want to go a whole day without talking to the squad. We had a lot of things happen over the weekend. We have a lot to discuss here in the hut. So I'm, I'm, I am thankful. That today, on, on Martin Luther King's birthday, we had an opportunity to hang out, to talk, and to uh, get into all of the latest from the news cycle. With that, let's get right to it. Uh, Tiffany writes, I just finished Friday's podcast on my way home from work. I save your podcast for my hour-long drive so I can stay awake and alert after four hours of barn management. That sounds intense. That means shoveling stuff and fixing things. Anyway, I just had to tell you that I love you are a man who is a contemporary Renaissance man. Today, you covered everything from the ills of socialism to Sasquatch movies. I laughed so hard at your comment about wanting some Sasquatch backstory. The people in the car next to you must've thought I was nuts. Thanks for keeping it real for all of us. Team buck buckaroos. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for your really kind note. And I'm so glad that the podcast is a source of information and entertainment for you when you are uh, doing barn management or or anything that you're doing and uh, really appreciate the thoughts. And yeah, when you're talking Squatch, you know, you just got to let it rip. You you can't go half, you can't go halfway on Squatch. You know, you got to just let it, let it all out. Uh, Peter writes, they caught the alleged Reno serial killer this weekend. Guess his immigration status. Uh, Well, Peter, I didn't even know. That there was a Reno serial killer, but I'm assuming you're going to tell me that his immigration status was, in fact, illegal, not undocumented. That's not a thing. Illegal. Uh, And I'm guessing that, that I'm correct there. Producer Mike will let me know if I am wrong. That is one of Mike's important jobs. John lets me know when I'm sounding crazy, and Mike lets me know when I'm saying something that's wrong. So they have very important functions here in the hut. Tyler writes, Buck, please help. Over the past week, I've been unable to listen to your podcast on iHeart. At first, I thought it was an issue with my phone, but I realized I can still play your old boss Glenn's podcast. I have updated, uninstalled, and reinstalled. No luck. I attempt to play your podcast. I get the never-ending death loop for loading, non-stop loading. Please help. Thank you. John, do we have any idea what's going on? Do we have a problem with our iHeart platform of the podcast? All right, John, could... Could you uh, let's let's have, uh, you know, Mike take a look at that, because obviously I, I one of my great frustrations is when technology. I know it's true for anybody in this business, but we just assume that the technology is always going to work. And, you know, it usually does. But whenever I have a technological failing and that prevents people from enjoying my content, I get very agitated. So I'm, I'm hoping that that is not the case here, but uh, I will certainly Certainly, take a look into this. Um, Irene writes, "Welcome to ninety two point nine Super Talk Radio. We love you in East Tennessee. Well, Irene, we love you from the Freedom Hut here in DC and NYC. So uh, I'm I'm glad that they've uh, they've added me to your lineup out there in Eastern Tennessee. This is the radio show that you should be listening to every evening. So thank you so much for uh, making that very." Wise decision. I do appreciate it. Karen writes, Happy belated birthday, Buck. I always tell my friends to listen to your podcast and this last Saturday night was no exception. After meeting a couple that were introduced by a mutual friend, we of course had the Donald Trump convo and I said, If you want a great radio show, he's awesome. Not quite as rabid as some of the other guys and not quite as controversial. It's a great show. At any rate, we love you, Buck. And we tell all our friends. Well, Karen... We love you, too. And thank you so, so much for uh, for spreading the word about the show. It's the single most important, most helpful thing that anybody who listens can do, because as I've said before, if if we just had every person listening to this show, even on uh, listening live or on podcast, tell one person who tried the show out, um, it would be it would be phenomenal. I mean, we're the show is already growing every month, but we would be a a show that would let's just say it would be a monster show we're a baby monster we're we're getting there for sure we're we're up in the up in the ranks but i mean it would be like with with the very biggest of big boys so and that's all just in the hands of the folks listening all it takes is hey check out this guy buck sexton when you're having a political conversation if somebody says oh conservatives are all so dumb and they don't know anything like well, why don't you listen to this guy buck and see if he see if you think that he doesn't know anything maybe you disagree with him but see if you think that he doesn't read enough study enough pay enough attention for your liking you know that's if you're speaking to one of your lib friends uh, i don't know how many of you even have close lib friends i got lib friends though i'm i'm trying to convert them slowly but surely uh josh right oh man josh i just got this now would you be a guest with me and my wife to tonight's Vetti's Awards at the Watergate Hotel? I have two tickets you can bring a guest. Josh, or, you know, Captain Josh, thank you so much, man, for this. I'm so sorry I missed this. I just didn't... I didn't, I would have loved to have gone. I just didn't check my Facebook in time. Oh, man. Uh, I'm sorry about that. I, I When did you send this? Oh, the, you sent it on... Sun Okay. I, look, it's very kind of you. Yeah, I just didn't see this um, on Sunday when you when you sent it, uh, Sunday morning. But uh, Josh, that's so nice of you, man. I hope you and the missus had a great time. It's very kind of you to think of me. I would have loved to have gone. And, uh, you know, maybe on the next one, just if you can, just try to give me like like a couple of days notice. That would be enough. Even a day's notice, a few hours. It's not that I'm not willing to throw in my tux and make it happen. I just, I just didn't get the notification in time here. Uh, so... Thank you for uh, thank you so much for thinking of me. It's very kind of you. You and the missus, I appreciate it. And uh, you know, if, if you're in town next year during the vettes, even if I'm even if I'm not going to be your guest, maybe we should all just go out and get a drink. Steve, right? Shields, Highbuck, Buck. You must watch the Free State of Jones on Netflix. It tells the truth about the Civil War Democrats and the KKK during and after the Civil War. I was shocked to see a movie showing the truth about the racist Democrats. Um, I would like to see it. Uh, I have not heard that much about it, but what I have heard is pretty good. Also, Steve has sent me a photo here of what looks like a greyhound. I'm assuming it might be a greyhound mix. Beautiful dog, though, with a big cup that says Black Rifle on it, which I always appreciate. Remember, folks, when you go to blackriflecoffee.com slash buck, they also have gear there. I wear Black Rifle t-shirts. All the time, I have a Black Rifle Coffee Company mug on my desk here in the hut as we speak. So there's a lot of different, a lot of different things you can get. Great gear from Black Rifle, and there's the guys who run that company. I know you've heard me say it a million times. They're just awesome guys. I've had them here on radio, but they're really, really good people. And whenever you, whenever you buy any of their products, their coffee or anything else, you know you're supporting people who share your values, your beliefs, who serve this country, and who are really good people and are not some like multinational corporation that's owned by some French conglomerate or something, which is true of a lot of these food and especially beverage companies these days. Brian writes, Hey, Buck, hope you had a relaxing holiday and got some long overdue rest. Well, Brian, in fact, I did sleep in for a couple of days, and I feel like a new man. Thanks for getting the real story from the border last week. It's so appreciated by many of us to have an honest voice down there. Now that we're getting in the flow this year, I just want to know if you're still going to be doing the Stansbury Investor Hour this year. I really enjoy the discussions and banter between you and Porter, and it's a gem of a podcast for financial advice. Please advise. All my best to this year, my friend. Shields high, Brian. Brian, we have put the, the, the Stansbury Investor Hour podcast is on hiatus. Um, I, Porter just has some big projects to tend to, and, and also, you know, he's the big boss, and he wanted to just spend a little more time Enjoying himself and being with his family, so I totally uh, appreciate and respect that. I am talking to the Sansbury folks right now, meaning you know these these days and have been for a few weeks about what the next project is that I'm going to work with them on. Um, and it, it's we're we're talking about some pretty big, pretty cool stuff. But the podcast for right now is uh, is on is on hiatus, and and I don't expect that it's coming back anytime soon. Um, they've handed it off to another very, very competent financial analyst, very good guy named Dan. Uh, so you, if you want financial, I still highly, look, I recommend all the Stansbury stuff. I, I read all their stuff. I've invested money based upon their recommendations. I think what they do is, is really, one, they're teaching people about how to invest and making great calls, and they're very transparent. You know, anybody who's in this business who tells you they're right all the time is lying. They're very transparent about what they're getting right and and what they they missed, uh, so I just think they have a I think they have a great business. And again, just like Black Rifle, I I'm in a place where I get to pick who I do business with, and I get to do business with really great people. It's a really nice advantage of having built my career a little bit. The Stansbury guys are awesome. The Black Rifle guys are awesome. I mean, these are the kind of people I like to be working with because they're my kind of people. Um, Taylor writes. Uh, Buck, what do you cook for the weekend? Brisket was my choice. Oh, look at you, Taylor. Taylor is sending all these photos showing off his what looks like world-class brisket. I mean, this is brisket that you know. If he, if I had a, a taste of it, I feel like I'd want to keep it in the fridge, and then I'd be eating it for like midnight snacks. And you know, brisket can be so good that I that I eat too much of it. Uh, This looks amazing, though, Taylor. You know, Taylor's showing off his stuff a little bit. He's like, oh, you make one of your little steaks? Boom, son, I made a brisket, and it's amazing, and it's delicious. Uh, Taylor looks fantastic, man. A plus, A plus. I'm sure it was uh, wonderful when you ate it. So thanks for sharing the photo, my friend. Lisa... Right. I was wondering if you could tell me the name of the movie you talked about on the radio yesterday. I believe it was about Bigfoot. I forgot to write down the name. Thanks for your time in this matter. Now, Lisa, I want to give you a little, a little sort of, you know, a little pause here. It's not a great movie, okay? I don't want you guys all writing me saying, you recommended this movie. The acting is bad, okay? There's some bad acting in it. Like, the lead male and female are not good actors. The writing is not very good. But... It, the Bigfoot creature is really scary. It's well shot. It is shot in the Pacific Northwest woods. It looks right. And and it's pretty scary. So if you want, and it's called Primal Rage. Um, primal Rage. Not to be confused with Primal Fear, which was actually a Richard Gere. And uh, I can't remember the guy's name. The guy from America. What's the guy from American History X's name? named? Uh, Norton, right? Ed Norton. I was gonna say Jim Norton. He's the comedian. Ed Norton. Uh, Primal Fear is actually a pretty watchable movie for what it is. Uh, but Primal Rage is the name of this Bigfoot movie, and I'm just. There is a scene in it that I mean, you might have to earmuff and and eye cover yourself because it's wow. I don't want to get into details. It is and do not no. I do not want to hear anybody. Anyone in this audience under 18 watching this Primal, it's on uh, Amazon. Do not let anybody under 18 watch it. I mean, I'm way over 18, and I'm not even sure I should have watched it. It is. But this is just, it's so obvious to make good Bigfoot movies, man. People love Bigfoot. There's such, the story, they get into a little bit of the Native American lore around Bigfoot, a little, tiny bit, but not enough. And, you know, that was one of my complaints about it. And then there's also like a, a, a witch Shaman kind of person who comes in who's really scary looking. So you know, there's but there's some there's some good stuff. Uh, there's some. I I was in the mood for a bigfoot movie. It was pretty good for what it was. That all said, do not tell me, Buck. I don't trust your advice on these things anymore because the acting was terrible and there was extreme and gruesome violence. Because there is okay. I feel like I'm selling it by trying to not sell it. It's incredibly violent and messed up i have to shut down the show for the day on that note, unfortunately, because I'm out of time. We've got to let other people get on the radio, apparently. But thank you so much for hanging out with me, team, on this Martin Luther King Day. Great to talk to you, as always, every day this week here from the Freedom Hunt. We're going to be rocking it. I will uh, talk to you tomorrow. Shields high. You're probably familiar with AARP. You or someone you know might already be a member. But did you know that the AARP is a lefty organization? I mean, they're all about lobbying for progressive causes. They even fought tooth and nail for a government-run healthcare system. This is why I recommend you check out AMAC. Why AMAC? Well, AMAC was founded by an Air Force veteran, and it's an organization that gets you all the benefits of AARP, but unlike AARP, it supports your values, okay? Your investment in AMAC allows AMAC to act for good policy in America. The AMAC difference, my friends, is that there are over a 1,000 real face-to-face meetings with key decision makers in D.C. They're pushing great policies and getting you discounts on all kinds of stuff. Stand with AMAC as they fight the good fight. Become a member today. Join right now at amac.us slash buck. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S slash buck. AMAC is better for you, better for America.